Before we dive into the episode, I have a special announcement. I've created a free resource, you guys voted on it, on how to start your healing process, a seven-step starter guide on how to identify your triggers, face the not-so-great parts of you, and start healing. And you know what? I'm not even going to lie to you. It's about 12.26 a.m. as I'm recording this. A lot's just been changing and going on in my world, and I can't wait to update you guys on everything, but I just had to fulfill my promise to get this out to you on this episode specifically because I understand how tough it can be when you're starting this healing process. Like, what does it even look like? Where do you start? How do you know if you are healing? So I'm super excited to give this out to you. You can find the link to download this in the show description below. Now let's get on to the show. We later came to find out that my coat, my purse, it was all in the room. I had never made it back to the room and my bra was actually around my waist because I had pulled down my top to pop a squat in the side street of Nashville. I didn't know where I was or what happened. I couldn't remember. And so I just want to ask, do you feel like that sounds like freedom? Because to me, I believe that that was freedom for me. Hello, beautiful people. It's your host, Danielle Mason, bringing you authentic conversation, transparency around real life experiences, and actionable tips to create your next breakthrough today. Think of this as your home away from home healing oasis where we overshare and overcome obstacles together. Pull up a seat, come as you are, and be ready to leave feeling challenged to reflect, encouraged to take action, and inspired to change. This is the Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. Welcome to another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs, and today we're going to be diving into this phrase, how to get right with God. Maybe you're somebody thinking to yourself, you know, I've kind of drifted, or I haven't even stepped foot in a church, or had a conversation about God since I was in high school, or since before college, or whatever it might be. And maybe you're somebody who is actively trying to seek God and build your relationship with him, but you're just unsure of how to take those steps forward and how to really deep dive into that relationship. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that I'm totally not perfect. And I can only share from personal experience. And so I wanted to start off with this quote because uh, it's something that I hear people say way too often. And I used to say it too. And it dawned on me that most people are going through their lives not knowing that God is already for them. He is already walking right next to them. All they have to do is acknowledge him and their need for him, which involves humility, which was hard for me to walk through myself. I remember in that moment when I completely surrendered over to Jesus and it was completely different than whenever I first started my faith journey. I don't really consider like high school or before my childhood. Yes, I was in church and that sort of thing, but I never really had a real encounter. And there was such a difference whenever I first started my walk with God, you know, I would pray here and there. I would journal and I would read scripture sometimes and I wasn't in church and there was something totally different 
then in that moment when I was in my grandmother's spare bedroom where I said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to give it all to you. It was an act of humility. If we if we want to really define it, it was an act of humility. It was an act of surrendering my life because even though I was walking with God, I still felt in control of my life. I wasn't at a point of surrender. I wasn't at a point where I fell on my knees and I said, God, I need you. I would continue to live in the same way that I was living and I wasn't fully trusting in him. I wasn't trusting that his plan was greater and that he had even more power than what I contained. I found myself talking to God whenever it was convenient or I would speak to him whenever I was like in pain and I just needed to call out. I was desperate to do anything to help relieve the pain. Can you guys recall a moment where you're just like, whether it's sitting on the toilet or doing something where you're like, God, please help me now. Please help me and I promise I'll change. I'll promise I'll do better. Then afterwards, you don't really change. Yeah, I was doing a lot of that. And so I realized that recognizing that there is a God and submitting to him, it takes humility. It takes humility to look at yourself and to say, I don't have control and I don't want control. I want to let go of control. I recognize that you are real. I recognize that I can't do this alone and that I need you. That takes humility and that was really hard for me to do. I'm not sure if for everybody it comes down to a breaking point of saying, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I literally cannot do this anymore. I cannot continue on without you because that's what it was for me. And it took such humility to be able to do that. It was one of the most difficult things that I've personally done throughout my journey so far with building my relationship with God. Because I was such a control freak, I felt like I needed to have control over my life. And so it was really hard for me to do to acknowledge that I wasn't able and I wasn't capable on my own. And to just give it all to God and to repent and to tell him that I needed his help. It's a journey. It looks different for every single one of us. I heard a story of Becky Tirabasi, the author of this book. She starts off by sharing her story. And it just drew me in because for one, I related on so many levels and aspects of her story. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to one or multiple parts of her story. And it just magnifies how your life can change in one single decision, in one single moment, and in one single prayer. And I want to share her story with you. Becky was somebody who would crave love as a teenager. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to that. She had always been the life of the party girl and she had always craved that freedom and adventure and she fell into really bad habits. At 21, she was totally dependent on drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, popping pills, and drinking until she passed out and blacked out almost every single day. She ended up meeting and moving in with a man that she thought loved her and would eventually marry her. It only took one summer and one incident to change her life forever. It was October in her hometown. She traveled back to Ohio to be at a wedding and at the bachelorette party, she drank half a fifth of vodka and went home with a man she didn't know. She woke up the next morning concerned that she could be pregnant and humiliated if she was because she wouldn't know by whom. She was at a place mentally where she wanted to abandon her life. She ended up having to go to a court hearing about a car accident that she caused a year prior. Before she walked into the courtroom, 
her lawyer put his hand on her elbow and said, Becky, if you lie on the stand, you'll be crucified. And she said she'd only heard of one person who died by crucifixion, and that was Jesus Christ. And she had attended church every Sunday until she left home, and she thought she knew all about God and Jesus. She said, like most of us, I grew up singing, Jesus loves me. But as a young woman, I had no capacity to understand these words or believe they were true for me. She said that morning she clearly saw who she was and what she was, and she believed that there was no way she was lovable to God. And without realizing it, God's voice was gently calling her to him immediately following the court hearing. She was filled with thoughts of suicide, but instead of taking her life, she drove straight from the courthouse to a church, and she just had to find someone with answers to help her. The only person in the building was a janitor of the church. She immediately ran up to the janitor sobbing and started pouring out the details of her situation from the bachelorette party to the court hearing. And his response was simple. His response was, let's pray. She remembers saying to herself, okay, anything to get rid of this shame. She said a simple prayer. He let me ask God forgive me to change me and to pour the Holy Spirit of the living God into my life. She was desperate for love, but she never dreamed that God's love would grab hold of her. And she described it as she felt this changing and healing and his love freeing me. She was aware that this love was unearned and certainly undeserved. While she was praying, she could feel God's love seeping into her heart and was lit up with this consuming passion that was bursting with flames. She couldn't fathom how this love had found her, yet she knew she couldn't let it go. It was something unexplainable in human terms, that she had received something invisible yet real, and her transformation began with an emotion of love and softness over her. In that moment during the prayer, she found hope that she had a second chance to start a new life. And I can totally relate with Becky's story because when I chose to surrender my life, it was an undeniable feeling inside of me. And she wrote it so beautifully. Her words are so much more eloquent than mine, but she described it to where you can't really put it into words. It was something that was just a feeling of hope. It was an overwhelming feeling of happiness and it was like being cradled and caressed. And I had never felt those things before. It's a feeling that is just supernatural and indescribable. It's something that you crave and want more of and honestly get obsessed with whenever you first experience that. Because God's love is nothing like you've ever experienced. This is a love that's different than I have with Jamar or my sister or my family or my friends. It's this reciprocated and undeserving, unconditional love that you feel when you give it all to Jesus. That is what God can do. That is his power. And that is what he wants to give you. He'll meet you where you are. And he'll continue to take you along that journey. I'm going to share a couple of tacticals that I have used to personally build my faith and my relationship with God. These are three things that I couldn't imagine not having in my life now, but wasn't even part of my life for 20 years. If you're going through a moment or a season of pain, or if you're going through just this utter weakness or feeling of distrust or loneliness, you might feel like you can barely hang on. I'm here to tell you from personal experience that the one thing you can go to your friends, you can go to Google, you can go to social media, you can go to the bottle, you can go to the drugs, you can go to these things, yeah. But I'm here to tell you that if you go to the source, that is where you'll truly find that healing that none of that other stuff can give you. And look, you may have a hundred questions and a hundred hesitations. I get it. I was there. And maybe one of your questions is, 
you know, if God loves us so much, why am I going through this? Or why is there so much negativity, destruction in the world? Why is there so much grief or pain that I'm going through or that my friend's going through or that the world is going through? I know that's a really popular question and I want to take us back to the story in the garden. At the beginning of time in the garden, we saw the closeness Adam and Eve had with God until they rebelled and sinned against him. That created the separation of us, from of man, from God. And that was when sin and brokenness entered the world. And one thing we have to realize is that Satan has a heavy influence on earth. The ideals, the opinions, goals, hopes, views, worldviews of the majority of people. His influence is everywhere. We see it in everyday culture. We see it in the streets of our communities. We see it everywhere. It's very apparent that we do not live in a perfect world. We definitely live in a broken world, but there is a hope. And so back to this question of feeling like you have to get right with God, we have to also talk about the enemy when we're addressing this question, when we're addressing why we feel this way why do we feel like there's a separation between us and God why do we feel like we can't go to him why do we feel like he's so far away when he's literally right next to you it's because we are listening to the lies that Satan is whispering to us because I'm just gonna say he's very cunning he's very smart and he is a master at his craft he has influence over world philosophies over education over commerce the thoughts ideas speculations false religions of the world are under his control and they have sprung from his lies and deceptions and maybe you're asking okay well why would a good god allow if god's so good why would he allow satan our enemy to rule the world and it's a great question and I want to address it with in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, shares how Satan doesn't have full rule over the world, but he does have power over unbelievers, people who haven't surrendered over to him. And the unbeliever follows Satan's agenda. And so in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And really thinking about this and digesting the scripture and really looking at my life, I was blind. I was blind to the truth. I didn't really understand the gospel. And if you're unsure of what the gospel is, the gospel is the story of how Jesus came to earth from heaven to become and walk human life as man. And he died and was crucified on the cross for each and every one of our sins so we could live in eternity with him. And so looking at my life as an unbeliever, it was very apparent to me how I was fully living in sin, how I was so blinded by the darkness of my actions, of me sleeping around, of me defiling my body, of me getting blackout drunk, of me doing all these things, and of me chasing this idea of success that this world promised. 
And I was so blind to the peace and the joy that came with knowing God and trusting God and what he said about me. And so if we can understand and realize who Satan is and what his tricks are, they become more apparent to the eye. And we can see his deceiving plans. We can see him twisting parts of scripture. We can see him in his act in the world that we live in today and so some of the biggest lies that he likes to tell us is that we're not worthy to even be close to God even talk to God you have to go get right in quotes before you speak to God you can't go to God broken you have to be perfect to be this Christ follower that you're unlovable that God can't love somebody like you that you've done such horrible things that you're just too far gone and I'm here to tell you that those are all lies of him I'm passionate passionate about talking about the tricks that Satan plays on our minds and plays in our lives and his role because I will give my personal example. My biggest one is that this lie that I believed fully with all my heart that I couldn't have fun if I followed God or that he didn't want me to have fun like he was restricting me from living this free life that I craved. Following a set of rules and guidelines and regulations just felt blah to me. I didn't want to be told what to do or how to live by anyone. And at the root of it, I also didn't want to feel bad and I didn't want to have a bad conscience while I was living this life that I so fully loved and enjoyed. And I remember a night from New Year's Eve. It was in 2019. I'll never forget this night. And this is a night that I realized I had a problem. It was me and a few friends of mine. And we were traveling to Nashville to celebrate New Year's Eve. And this was a night where we just had plans to party, get blackout, and just go crazy like we normally did whenever we would have friend reunions. We were pre-gaming in the hotel room and I truly was already blacked out before we left the room. All I remember was we were standing in line to get into a bar and I realized that I didn't have my purse. I didn't have any money or anything and the people in the line were, I'll just pay for you, don't worry. But I was super drunk and out of it. I was like, no, I'm gonna go get my purse. And so I went and I left the group and I went on my own. The next thing I remember, I was standing in the middle of the street and I saw my friends screaming my name and I got so excited because I guess I had been lost for all that time. And I ran up to him and I was like, oh my gosh, you're here. He looked at me unamused and he said, Danielle, where's your bra? That single line, I know he probably still to this day wishes that he didn't say that to me because I spent the rest of the night bawling my eyes out, crying because I thought I had gotten robbed and raped. I was wearing this sheer romper so you could see my boobs and that bralette was covering me. I just kept thinking, I don't have any of my stuff. What happened? How do I not remember? Did I get raped and robbed and didn't remember it? How could I not remember? I have a problem. How am I drinking until I black out? And so these emotions arose in this moment of distress that I put myself in. He told me later the only way he found me was because he had gotten a phone call from my phone and it was a girl that had found me wandering around on my own. And she said, your friend needs you. Your friend needs help. And so that moment right there too, I just want to say is a total God thing. I don't even know who this person is today. It's just so apparent how he's even with you in your darkest moments, in your unconscious moments. So many bad things could have happened to me that night. We later came to find out that my coat, my purse, it was all in the room. I had never made it back to the room and my bra was actually around my waist 
because I had pulled down my top to pop a squat in the side street of Nashville. And so I realized I had made all that up in my head story out of fear. I didn't know where I was or what happened. I couldn't remember. And so I just want to ask, do you feel like that sounds like freedom? Because to me, I believe that that was freedom for me. And the thing that I came to realize is that life with Jesus, life walking with Jesus is the freedom that I craved, is the freedom that I needed. I was so lost. I just imagine myself standing in the middle of downtown Nashville with no coat, with a sheer romper on, in the freezing cold, with no purse, nothing on me. Nobody else was with me except for God. Was having nights like that freedom? Or was that me being unawake in my life? Is that me suppressing my waking moments? Is that me running away from reality and trying to escape the real world? Is that me wanting to enter into this different place of consciousness or unconsciousness, should I say, so I didn't have to come to terms with my real feelings? And so comparing life before I surrendered to Jesus and to see where my heart was and my mind, how that was all a lie. I ran after that life and I chased that because that was all I knew. The real freedom that that girl needed in the middle of downtown Nashville is the only freedom that comes through Jesus. He knows your deepest desires. He knows your deepest pains. He knows your struggles. He created you. He knows what you're running away from. And when you think about the perfect father in this situation, what would he have wanted for the girl running around downtown Nashville lost? He would have wanted her safe. He would have wanted her protected. He would have wanted her to realize her worth and to just come to him first as she was. He wanted to meet her where she was at. He didn't want her to change her ways and then come to him. He wanted her to come to him so he could help her change her ways. So whatever you're looking for, whatever you feel like is missing in your life, you can find it in the arms of your creator, your perfect father. You can find it in the arms of Jesus. I want to share one example of a false philosophy and it's the belief that we as man can earn God's favor by our works or by certain acts and in almost every false religion if you're a good person you can achieve this afterlife or you can get God's favor you can have success that's a prominent theme in almost every other religion we cannot do anything to earn God's favor to earn our salvation to earn his love like we can't do anything to earn it and so we can't do anything to make God love us less And so when we have different experiences, whether it be a tragic incident that happened to us or we did something that we are super shameful of and we want to hide it, Satan can use those things to make us feel like we're not good enough or to make us feel like we have to earn our way back into the the grace and the goodness of God. Just an example, again, back to the garden, what happened when Adam and Eve took a bite of the apple and they sinned? They immediately immediately saw how they were naked and exposed and they hid from God. If we take that, we can really see why we do those things too. It's our nature. It's our nature to do these things. And we are only capable of a sliver of understanding of who God is and his goodness and his love that it literally is so hard to understand and it baffles us how 
how if we can do all these things and have this stuff in our past and this baggage, how a perfect and holy and mighty God can still desire a life with us. So this free gift that God gave us, this free gift of internal life, this free gift of peace, this free gift of true love that we find with God, it's available through Jesus. And again, you might ask, well, why doesn't everybody just accept this free gift of salvation if it's free? And the answer again, we have to look at Satan, the God of this world, has tempted mankind to follow his pride instead. And so again, I can share from personal experience is that I had so much pride and I wanted all this success that the world that I could get from this world, I could gain from temporary things. And it was hard for me to humble myself myself and to say God I need you I don't want to do it on my own anymore and so now that we've talked about where that idea comes from or where that question comes from I want to give you real tangible things that has personally helped me grow and develop because if you've listened to episode one you heard how lost I was you heard how much I was living in the dark you heard my journey and a bit of my walk with Christ But I want to give you practices that truly helped me develop and grow my relationship with God. And I want to put this out there. Following God is not about what God can do for you. It's about understanding who he is. It's about understanding his heart. It's about understanding his word, about his character, his qualities, his desire for my life, the purpose he's given me. And for me to feel like I actually have a relationship that is growing alongside him. If I can sum it up in one word, I would probably say it's been transformative. I definitely don't recognize the person that I was even a year ago, much less five years ago. It's honestly insane how quickly transformation can happen when you truly let God be in the driver's seat. So I want to give you three habits. This is not something that I just came up with. This is something that has been taught to me from elders, people that have been walking with Christ a lot longer than I have. And so first practice is prayer. It's probably pretty obvious, right? How can you build a relationship with anybody if you don't have a conversation with them, if you don't speak to them? And that's the same thing that goes with your your heavenly father. You want to be in prayer. And if you're somebody who is saying, I don't know how to pray or I don't know what to, what to say, again, I'm here to tell you that is Satan whispering in your ear telling you that you don't know how to pray. If you know how to speak and if you know how to say, hey, God, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need your help. That is you praying. So I believe in you. I believe that you can really start praying. This is something that I do in the morning and you can do it throughout your day. And he wants you to come to him with absolutely anything and everything about your life. Pray about anything that you have going on that's weighing down on your mind. Pray for boldness. Pray for wisdom. Pray for the job change. Pray for other people. Pray for the pain that you're feeling in your ear or whatever. Whatever it is, there's nothing, there's no big, small, dumb, stupid prayer that you can pray. And the second habit is reading the word daily. 
okay and i know for some of you you're maybe thinking oh my goodness like i don't enjoy reading the bible or it's too confusing i don't understand it listen i was there and you know what i don't understand everything that i read either i struggled reading the bible i struggled making that a habit of mine and it literally i had to turn it into a habit and now where i'm at right now yes i might miss a day here and there i feel a difference internally if i do miss a day of not hearing from God because one of the main ways that he speaks to you is through his living word and so I honestly look forward to diving into the word every single day every single morning because if I don't I'm missing God speaking to me this book is something that I definitely took for granted and that I definitely didn't realize its power I'm sure you've heard this it's literally the only book that you read that it reads you back and there's so like your transformation I would bet on it. Your transformation is you sitting down, reading God's word and diving into it and being in prayer. That is where your transformation lies. A couple of my favorite resources right now is the Change Your Life Daily Bible Study Edition by Becky Tirabasi. It's amazing. It breaks the Bible up into daily readings. And so what's in the daily readings is a passage from the Old Testament, a passage from the New Testament, a psalm song, which can help you start in direction of prayer, which I love, and then a Proverbs scripture. My second recommendation is also from Becky Tirabasi and it's called the burning heart contract so if you're somebody that you know you're listening to this and you just really want to take the next step in your relationship with God you want to get back on fire maybe you're somebody who used to be on fire and that fire kind of has been extinguished and you want to reignite that fire or maybe you're somebody listening and you're like I don't really know where to start the book will really help you really dive into it is a 21 day challenge so there are daily challenges and they're small some are small some are you know journal entries etc things to think about and little things here and there to do but I've definitely enjoyed reading and going through it and challenging myself to do it every single day and you can get them both from Amazon and the third habit is fellowship being in fellowship at least once a week and so that means finding a local church and that might be scary maybe you're somebody that has had church hurt or you don't really know where to go I would just really talk to the people within your community talk to your friends family see what church they go to or just do some research and try out a couple different churches to see which one you like but it's so important to be in fellowship and I can be honestly say and confidently say that if it wasn't for our local church that we found here Jamar and I probably wouldn't be married it's brought me so much community being here I moved here you know by myself didn't have any family or friends here not close by at all and just finding a church where I could really make friends and have community has just really helped me out mentally and emotionally too. But another reason why fellowship is so important is think about, you know, you've probably heard of people having mentors, right? Having, talking to people that have had and gone through things that you've gone through and that have walked the walk longer. So say, look at, if you're looking for a mentor in business, you want to talk to somebody that has done the things that you've wanted to do 
and that can share this wisdom with you and that you can bounce ideas off of. And that is the idea of being in fellowship. You want to be able to talk to other people who are in different walks, who have maybe just accepted Christ yesterday. And look, they is on fire and you need some of their fire. All right. Or maybe, you know, it's the elders, people that have been walking with Christ for 30 plus years or for 10 years or people that have had kids, parents, different areas and different walks of life, like really connecting with these people that are in pursuit of God's heart and in pursuit of their faith journey and just being able to hear and learn from each other and listen to one another and building these relationships in fellowship is so 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 important in building your faith and I know you're probably thinking well I have like bible studies that I hop on online or on zoom listen I think that's great but I highly, highly encourage you to be in fellowship in person with people at least once a week. I want to leave you with this metaphor, okay? So think about what do trees need to live? They need sunlight, they need water, they need soil all the time, or they wither and eventually die. And so I want you to think about water, the symbol of God's power. We tap into God's power when in prayer. And the sunlight as a symbol for God's truth. He speaks back to us through the Bible. He shines light through his word. And the soil being the symbol of fellowship with God's people. We must be rooted in community. These are God's intentional symbols. And so I can sit here and confidently say that really incorporating these three habits and being diligent in it has allowed me to really grow my relationship with Christ, which makes me really, really confident if you put those three habits into action starting today, that you will really start to build this relationship with God and your relationship. And no matter where you currently are right now, no matter where you find yourself, no matter if you have baggage, if you have things that you're scared to bring to light or scared to bring to him, I'm here to tell you, just start here. Start with the simple prayer God I don't know what I'm doing I just really need your help and I want to surrender and I want to really walk this journey with you I just need help starting he knows your heart already he knows your struggles he knows everything about you you're gonna mess up it's part of life but the most important thing is that you put him first when giving your life to God or following him, it doesn't mean that you won't go through challenges. It's quite the opposite. You'll definitely go through challenges, but it's about whenever you face the challenges, it's who and what you go to first. And it's not always easy to go to God first. It's easier to go towards something that you can see with your own eyes, something that feels or seems real that might be a person for you. You know, I was used to going to my sister. That would be the first person I would go to. And now it has been a practice and I've had to say, okay, if I'm facing a challenge or if I have a question about something, let's go into prayer first. And I'm not always perfect, but I notice that whenever I do that, whenever I do make my first step to go into speaking with the Lord, I feel so much more at peace and I'm reminded that he's there, that he's with me and that I'm going to get through whatever it is that I'm going through, and that he has a greater plan for my life versus before when I would be stressed out, when I would have anxiety, when I would be not really sure how it's going to play out, when I would feel worthless, when I would feel like my day-to-day doesn't have any meaning, and I would just take what people would say as truth and thought to myself, they only know so much. 
why not go to the one single person that knows every single detail about my existence? I hope this episode leaves you encouraged and filled with hope that, look, you don't have to do anything to get right with God. You don't have to do anything to earn God's love or to earn a place in his heart, to earn the right to feel forgiveness, to feel love, to feel any of these happy emotions that you are craving to feel. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you less or more. It's about just starting and taking that first step, admitting your faults, Admitting that you're imperfect, repenting of your past, of things that you've held on to, and knowing that you're not going to get it perfect every time. But I promise heaven will be cheering for the fact that you have decided to turn towards a life of devotion towards God. You don't have to change what's going on in your life right now to go to God. You go to God first and he'll help you with all the stuff that you're struggling with. And I do want to share that I co-host a Bible study as of right now at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays. It's open to men and women who are wanting to build their relationship with God. And we would love to have you. So if you want to be a part of that, shoot me a DM at BlackoutToBreakthroughs or shoot me an email at connect at daniellemason.info. That's connect at daniellemason.info. And we can get you connected to the community. We would love to have you. And so my challenge for you this week is to start on those daily habits, to start on those weekly habits, to, for one, pray daily, two, be in the word daily, and three, be in fellowship, find a church, find a community of believers, and commit to being in community once a week. So I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs. Until next week, I'll see you in the next episode. All right, let's bring it in. Giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. And you know what? You just deserve it. The reviews and subscriptions mean a lot to me. So if you love today's episode, make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other episodes. Also, I'd love to hear your takeaways, so feel free to screenshot this episode, put it in your stories, and tag me at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram with your biggest takeaways so I can connect with you and reshare your post. I can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, friend.